0: Good morning, family. Do you like puzzles? Well, then you're in luck today because today's gospel reading ends with a puzzle. Well, if it's not a puzzle, it is at the very least puzzling. Jesus and his disciples were in a region called Caesarea Philippi. It was named after two great military leaders, Caesar and Philip, who was the father of Alexander the Great. There were statues and altars everywhere to honor those great men. And in the middle of all that hero worship, Jesus asked his disciples what people thought of him. The story is found in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who are the people saying I am? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, Who do you think I am? Simon Peter answered, The Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. God has blessed you, Simon, son of Jonah, Jesus said, for my Father in heaven has personally revealed this to you. This is not from any human source. You are Peter, a stone, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever doors you lock on earth shall be locked in heaven, and whatever doors you open on earth shall be open in heaven. Then he warned the disciples against telling others that he was the Messiah. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. So we say, thanks be to God. Last week, we heard and saw a pagan woman appeal to Jesus for healing. In her plea, she used two titles for Jesus, Lord and King David's Son. She recognized Jesus for who he was. In today's story, it's Peter's turn. He, too, recognized Jesus for who he was. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Well, Peter used two terms here that we should know. The first is the word Christ, which, by the way, is not Jesus' last name. The word Christ comes from the Greek, and it means anointed. It means someone dedicated, designated, or set apart for a purpose. In our context, Christ means the one God chose to save or redeem Israel. The other is the word Messiah. Messiah is a Hebrew word that means, wait for it, anointed. You see, the point here is that Peter recognized that Jesus was the one chosen by God to be our Savior. He was the promised one from the Old Testament. Scripture tells us that Jesus met or meets the criteria. He was descended from the line of King David. He was born in Bethlehem, David's town. And then, as an adult, Jesus was declared to be the King of the Jews. All this was fulfilled in his life, death, and resurrection. The rest of the Old Testament prophecies, that he will usher in a messianic age in the world to come, will be fulfilled upon his return. That's pretty amazing stuff, being the Christ or the Messiah, right? So why did Jesus tell his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah? Well, there are several theories. One is that it was not the right time for this to be revealed. Another theory is that it would have provoked a revolt against Roman authority, which was a legitimate fear, because Rome did not like competition. The empire never likes competition. A third theory is that the disciples didn't know everything that being the Messiah entailed. They thought that the Messiah was coming to restore the political and religious integrity of Israel. We know this from other places in the Gospels. Over in the Gospel according to Luke, Jesus walked with two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He asked them, what were you talking about? And the disciples answered, we hoped that Jesus would be the one who was going to set Israel free. They had been talking about Jesus who had just died. They did not recognize him, but even more clearly, they did not understand the nature of Jesus' role as Messiah. So this passage from Matthew today reveals two very important things to us. First, it reveals Jesus' identity, and then it describes a powerful gift that the new Israel will have. Jesus said to Peter, Good for you, Peter, after Peter identified him as the Anointed One. And then he said, For this truth did not come to you from any human being. It was given to you directly by my Father in heaven. The Apostle Paul confirmed this when he wrote, No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Faith is ultimately based on heartfelt spiritual insight. We can know that God is at work in our hearts when we begin to see sure signs of his presence. For instance, when we begin to recognize Jesus as the Anointed One of God or as the Risen One, just like the disciples did on the road to Emmaus or when we claim him as our Savior and then submit ourselves to his authority and his lordship. When we are asked the questions of faith, we respond in faith if we have faith. But Jesus didn't come into the world just to be recognized. He came in to usher in a new reality, and this new reality has lots of different names. The new covenant, the new Israel, the kingdom of God the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And Jesus described this new reality as having an astounding amount of authority. Here's the puzzle. Jesus said, whatever doors you lock on earth shall be locked in heaven. And whatever doors you open on earth shall be open in heaven. Puzzling, isn't it? It's also a little intimidating. It makes us uncomfortable. We're afraid of those who rush to claim it, aren't we? We put all sorts of procedures and processes and structures in place to be sure that we exercise this authority with the utmost caution. And again, this is a faith issue. Even though we confess that we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, we never truly see it, do we? Again, it's a statement, a declaration of faith. The church we see these days is troubled with dissension about what God expects of us in terms of our behavior. The church we live in is divided into many different camps, isn't it? And the church has trouble giving itself, dedicating itself to bringing love and healing to our broken and sinful world, doesn't it? Clearly, when saying we believe, it is God at work in us. It's a confession of our faith. All of this is caught up in Jesus' revelation of his mission, his purpose to his disciples. Peter grasped a part of it. We know from the rest of the story that Peter didn't get all of it until the day of Pentecost. And we're a lot like Peter, aren't we? We know the whole story, but there are parts of it that puzzle us and scare us. Even though we are puzzled and scared, we need to honor the faith that we possess. And we know that God is at the heart of our ability to confess that faith. Several years ago, I conducted the funeral for a woman who lived in our community. At the cemetery, as the family gathered, I introduced myself to the members of her family, which included her five-year-old great-granddaughter. She was shy, and she ducked behind her, her mother and asked, What's he here for? That's a good question. It's kind of the question in today's gospel. What do you think Jesus is here for? In Matthew's gospel, Jesus told us what he was here for and the reason that that purpose cost him his life. But he also told us why we are here, and it's risky business too. As Jesus followers, we get wounded from time to time, don't we? Martyrdom still goes on, and if you are puzzled and scared, you aren't paying attention. But if you are puzzled and scared and still saying, we believe, then be assured that God is with you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Good and gentle Father, you call us to be messengers announcing the news that your kingdom is here, just waiting to be found. Not in some faraway place or in some heavenly space, but here where we live and breathe in the presence of Christ our King here where sick are healed and broken lives made whole here where your children serve and love is shared with all here where you rule in power and sin cannot control here where your people meet responding to your call you call us to be your messengers may we respond to your call and that others might find their way onto the path that we follow and where you walk with us our gracious and ever-loving God. Give us ears to hear the cries of the oppressed, eyes to see the needs of the poor, and voices to speak for the left out, the overlooked, and the marginalized. And now using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As always, thank you. I really do appreciate you joining me today. I hope these words were helpful to you. And if they were, will you like, review, and share this episode? You know, if you leave a good review, it will help other people to find and to benefit from these devotional thoughts. By the way, if you have a need or a prayer request, please leave a message in the comments section, and then be assured that I will be praying for you and for your need. Now, this week, your job is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it. Why? Because everyone needs love, and everyone needs to know that God loves them, no matter what. Remember, with Jesus, we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction today. May the Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen?